Hold on, no, wait, no, not even five. Five, four, three, two, one. Make November gems happen now. And now. Oh, yeah. What is going on, everybody? It's Game That Tune Gems, and we are back in the house once again. It's uh, your boy John Harrington here. We got John Regan with us. Say hey. Hey. And we got David Fleming with us. Say hey. Hey. Hell yeah, guys. Welcome back. Game That Tune Gems back in the house for the month of November 2022. My goodness, guys. It's Game That Tune Gems, the show where we listen to video game music from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. And uh, man, have we got a fantastic show just a, a bizarrely stacked episode of game that tune gems featuring music from novembers of 1992 2002 and 2012 uh just you know a, a jam-packed episode um with uh it, you know even like when the games aren't necessarily the classics we've got the good tunes we got uh you know some like holiday lineups coming in so like there's a good amount of releases and then you know so seldom on the show do we get to do a new console launch? But we've got all that and more on uh, this edition of Game That Tune Gym. So, guys, we got to jump back in time to November of 1992. And, guys, I want to start, as we usually do, by talking about some NES games, uh, namely one NES game, an NES game that I'm sure that both of you have played because it is not a rare or hard-to-find game in any way. Um, it's a little game. And I, I use that word intentionally. A little game called Little Samson. Oh, I used to own this back in the day. Of course you did. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, do you still have it, Johnny? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. I sold it at a garage sale years ago. I got a good, like, $40 uh, for it. And as, as, as a good Catholic boy, of course you own Little Samson. Yeah. Yes, yes. As and we that, all did. And that $40 <laughs> was for the NES the, and, like, you know, like 30 games. Like, it was, it was a good deal. It was a good... <laughs> yeah. somebody got a great deal on it <laughs> um yeah uh you know it's funny how you know i don't know recording 30 years in the future paints your uh, ideas of a game the only thing i know about little samson is that it's for some reason a collector's item um and i, I still don't fully understand why like anything any nes cartridge costs as much money as it does johnny do you have an updated price on uh, how much little samson will run you right now Ooh, i can get that real quick here let's see uh here we go a little samson price charting um loose two thousand two hundred thirty four dollars jesus christ jesus <laughs> i was thinking more like 800 <laughs> and even uh, that i was prepared to dismiss as absurd no if you want only the box that's about eight hundred dollars <laughs> okay well i do love just collecting empty boxes so <laughs> thank goodness there's that option guys I'm, I'm trying to you know read you for christmas presents here so <laughs> why is if that you're looking for a little samson box <laughs> it's like hey do you want like a classic game complete with box no do you want the game no do you want <laughs> just the box okay yeah eight hundred dollars <laughs> well, pretty sure i could print that box for less than eight hundred dollars <laughs> i mean honestly yeah. there, there's ways I, to work around it yeah i can't make the game um but uh yeah uh that's insane i don't, I don't understand it it's uh I guess, you know, and it, it seems like it's a lot of 1992 games, like late NES games that get that because, you know, they came out late in the NES life cycle. The SNES was already a thing, so there's not many copies of them. They didn't sell well, and so they become rare. And yeah, Little Samson, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's a Taito joint. You're playing as a uh, little, uh, little Bible guy um, going through side-scrolling levels. 
Yeah. I'm I'm kind of confused because I'm looking at a list of characters right now, and there are apparently four characters listed in the game. There's Little Samson. There's Kikira, the dragon, which, okay, mm. there are dragons in the Bible. There's Gam, the golem, which, again, the golem is like a famous monster in Jewish folklore. So, yeah, yeah. obviously that fits Tangent. into the Bible. <laughs> and then there's K.O. the mouse. Like, one of Ooh. these things does not belong. <laughs> Yeah. Is it a mouse with little boxing gloves? <laughs> you know, um, I don't know, but I kind of wish. Yeah. That uh I hope that's the thing. I hope it's a little uh, little fun platforming Bible game with a mouse with boxing gloves. Um that explains honestly the, the cost. Like, you know, two grand for a very rare game in which you could play as the mouse with the little boxing gloves. Okay, cool. Fair. I'm into it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, it's a cute little game that, uh, you know, just has to be mentioned out of the bizarre oddity of how expensive it is these days. And actually it's got a pretty okay soundtrack. So we got two fantastic songs from little Samson and composers, Yukie Marikawa and Yoshiji Yokoyama. We've got Samson's theme and we've got boss theme number four. <laughs>
it's uh, some serious shit going down there with uh, with little Samson and his uh, boxing glove mouse friend. Um, I'm reading now. It's not a boxing glove mouse, unfortunately. He's just uh, he's a little tiny mouse. Uh, he can do traversal and narrow, uh, like narrow passages and things. Um, he can climb on the walls and ceiling. Uh, and oh, also he, he places bombs. Ooh, you know, that's that's the KO. That's the real Ooh. knockout. Is blowing things up at bombs. <laughs> Um, so it's it's a rip off of Mouser from Super Mario Brothers two, exactly. Isn't everything? Um, so this next game, uh, I feel like this is some sort of I don't know critically acclaimed thing that I just don't really fully know about, and I'm hoping that you guys do because um, it, it's like it's stuck out on the list, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's something that people know and care to talk about, right? Um, man, I hope so. Uh, it's a game it's got two different names Uh, in america it was called out of this world uh elsewhere it's called another world um did you guys play out of this world or know of out of this world is and i'm i'm sorry johnny i don't mean to cut you out is this the like weird rotoscoped animated game that like hideo kojima was either involved with or inspired by Bye. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I don't know that he was involved with it, but I believe yes, it was a early cinematic game that kind of served as inspiration for guys like Kojima. Um, yeah, I know mostly about this game from the tech perspective, right? Because uh, something that they did with this game that was very unusual at the time—not uh, super unusual, but fairly unusual—is they wrote a whole um, virtual machine concept for it, and then wrote code for that virtual machine, and then deport the mm-hmm. game to a new platform. They just port that virtual machine, which is like what LucasArts did with uh, games and their Scum Engine. Same same kind of idea. Okay. Um, and yeah, they're able to pull off, um, you know, that crazy like rotoscoped, you know, polygonal look on like DOS. <laughs> like it's, right. It's, yeah, it, I was gonna say it's, you know, originally it was released for like Amiga and Atari, and then Genesis and DOS and SNES. I'm like, you can't really have a lot of this stuff in some of these platforms, I think. But you know, yeah, no, it's, it's got a crazy look. Um, I don't know a fucking thing about it. <laughs> Besides, you know, the things that David already said, it seems like kind of thing that like I would have rented this game and been like disappointed by it. It's like this game looks really cool, and I'm not having any fun playing it. Like, uh, what was that game? Flashback: The Quest for Identity. You know, kind of same thing. <laughs> like, you know, wow, this is impressive, but I'm seven and I don't care. <laughs> uh, but it looks super cool, man. And uh, yeah, it felt important. Just by uh, by looking at the stuff and seeing the seeing the screenshots, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know of this, but um, yeah, man, yeah, I we feel should be like more, uh... go for it. No, I, I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like this is one of those things where it's kind of like patient zero for a lot of inspirations where you go back to it because you're like, oh, this is what inspired you know X, Y, and Z, and it's like, mm. oh, I don't think this really stands up on its own. But I appreciate all the things that it did. Sure. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it does stand up on its own as a game, but it seems like it's, you know, more important for the technological stuff and for the things that it inspired. So, you know, cool game um, with, uh, with a great look. And, uh, you know, dare I say a banger of a soundtrack? I'm not prepared to say that. We'll, we'll judge that, you know, now. Uh, from composer Jean-Francois Freitas, we've got two songs from Out of This World. We've got title and we've got action.
guess I should have also mentioned it's the SNES release that we're talking about here. So that's the SNES tunes. And uh, yeah, good tunes, good, you know, kind of cinematic feel to it. Um, Thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes. I, you know, I know, David, you got a keen ear for these things and you, you would never let me live it down if I, uh, if I didn't tell people these things. Um, I was so, almost convinced that was the Game Boy version. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, wait till wait till later in the segment, man. You know, you'll you'll hear who can make the Game Boy sing. But uh, moving from one cinematic game to dare I say it, another cinematic game. Um, Johnny actually invoked the uh, the makers of this game in this uh, this you know out of this world segment. Maybe you've played a little game based on this uh, popular franchise, uh, Star Wars. But did you play it when it was on Super Nintendo? Super Star Wars. I'm I'm sorry, Star what? Yeah, uh, it's that thing that we're not sure anybody likes anymore. Um, uh, I think people still like it. I still what like Star I Wars. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a uh, I don't know fifty fifty on it. <laughs> you uh, know, I I I enjoy Star Wars, the classic, some of the prequels and some of the sequels. Yes. I'm All those spinoffs and shows, ooh, they're hit or miss. Oh. Real oh. hit or miss. They are hit or miss, but man, when they hit, they hit. Like, Andor was amazing. The Book of Olafet, absolute trash. <laughs> like, just, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've not yet watched Andor, but I really enjoyed Kenobi, and I really enjoyed Rogue One. Yeah, I oh. actually enjoyed Kenobi more than I thought I would. So, <laughs> you know, that might be uh, getting me back on track with Star Wars. But then I also, uh, a couple weeks ago, I threw on, like, uh, the sequel trilogy, 7, 8, and 9 to like fall asleep on various nights. And then I ended up actually watching nine again. I'm like, yeah, you know, they fucked this all up. <laughs> right. Skywalker sucks balls. Um, well, it's a weird thing because like seven is fine. Eight is really good. Nine. Not so much. No. Yeah. They, they really fucked that all up anyway. Yeah. So super star Wars on the super NES. Um, it's a star Wars platformer. Uh, and, uh, that's pretty much all there is to it. Did you play Super Star Wars at any point? <laughs> yeah. I feel like this was a rental for everybody at one point. <laughs> yeah, this was a go to your friend's house to play it because he happens to own it, you know, kind of game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, you know, it wasn't until at least Shadows of the Empire where I was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I want to play Star Wars and like own it. But, uh, you know, this, it's like, oh, that's that's fun. I think I know these characters. I Star Wars, you know, I gotta say, it was going through a weird time in like 1992. Like it was somewhere in between Beloved and kind of starting to fade off. Like, you know, it wasn't until I... later on, you know, again, like the uh, fucking, you know, Shadows of the Empire and then the uh, like 20th anniversary release where people started talking about it again. Like this is kind of in that weird middle period where, you know, I didn't really know what Star Wars was. <laughs> yeah, at the time this came out, I... any new Star Wars media was was like, what we now call expanded universe stuff, right? Like you, know, yes, you had books exactly. and things Those coming out, books. but yeah, you didn't, you didn't have any kind of real movie out since return of the Jedi. Uh, right. And so you're what, 1983, 1992, nine years since, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, go ahead, David. I was just say, I do love how you're talking about like, Oh, super star Wars. Like, I guess there's some characters involved and whatnot. Like I'm pretty sure in this game, you play as like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, like, those aren't just fringe characters. Like, no, I'm those just, are pretty integral to the series. I'm putting myself in the shoes of seven-year-old me, where I, you know, I didn't grow up watching fucking Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, you know, it wasn't something my parents owned. It wasn't the days of DVDs and streaming. It wasn't, 
ever present in everybody's fucking lives back then. So like, you know, I didn't fully see Star Wars until, you know, 1998 or whatever. And then it's like, all right, yeah, Star Wars is cool. But, you know, back in this in these days, it's like, oh, I recognize these guys. I've seen this picture before. I've been to the movie store and I, I know this is Star Wars, but like, you know, Nah, I'm not gonna fucking buy this. You know, I don't buy movie games. I buy Mega Man games, that mm. kind of thing. Like, you know, so it's fun. It's a side-scrolling version of A New Hope. I bet they thought they could crank this out and then make uh, you know two more, like a Super Star Wars Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, which of course they did. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, they could have maybe condensed those. You know, I think if you condense those three movies into one SNES game, you probably got yourself a really great game. You know, if they called it Super Star Wars Trilogy, I would have been like, all right, yeah, cool. You know, go for it right away. But I wasn't going to go for all three. Um, but it's fun. And it's got, you know, Star Wars music done in SNES style. So from uh, Super Star Wars and composer Paul Webb, we've got two songs. We've got The Desert Journey and we've got Aerial Combat. You know, I, uh, I'm a sucker for those, uh, Star Wars little motifs in there. <laughs> yeah, I love, uh, love those tunes, man. Uh, you know, 
who's that guy that actually composed that? What's that guy's name? John Williams. That guy can really, really make a memorable melody, man. <laughs> Good old Jack Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Williams. What a guy he is. Um, no, you're thinking of the guy who voiced the penguin. This is this is John, a.k.a. Jack Williams. The voice of the penguin. Who's who's the voice of the penguin? If I'm if I'm thinking of the same Paul Williams, he voiced the penguin in Batman the Animated Series. You're oh, talking about well, I was one making a joke on John Williams, but I think too also Paul Williams. I think is the guy that wrote Muppet music. So um, maybe we're all yeah. thinking of the same guy. He he also <laughs> voiced the penguin in Batman the Animated Series. You're talking about the guy who like wrote Rainbow Connection, right? Yeah, I didn't know he was the penguin. Why are we talking about this, David? Well, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. We somehow we discussed you did this, David. <laughs> I was making music references, and you brought up the penguin. <laughs> We're somehow we started talking about just composers whose last name is Williams. Mm-hmm. Our and, favorites, and yeah, you went to the Williams penguin. Yeah, he voiced the penguin. You took it someplace unexpected, David. Um, kind of like this next game. It's uh. It's the final SNES game of this segment, and we're going to take it, you know, I would say unexpected, except it's us, guys. It's Game That Tune, so totally expected. When a game so iconic comes up for the show, it must be included. Um, and, you know, I I need to look back through the annals of Game That Tune history to remind ourselves exactly who it was that chose this for the show. I want to say, I'm pretty sure it was a request. That's how it made it into the original Game That Tune and then stayed in our canon Guys, it's time for a, a hero greater than Luke Skywalker, a hero greater than Lil Samson or the whoever the characters are from out of this world. It's time to fight back against diabetes. It's Captain oh, Nobleman. <laughs> oh, finally, we get to use a good game on the show. About time. Johnny's so ready. He's all about those Raya Systems educational games lately, baby. <laughs> Uh, it's so good to have Captain Novelin back on Game That Tune Gems. Oh, God, guys. Mm, I'm sorry. I just had to include it. The music's not even good or like worth discussing. It's, yeah, this, game, this, so game, silly. this game, you die if you eat too many donuts. I love it, man. Yeah. You're, you're the hero that fights diabetes, but your one weakness is sugar and dying from diabetes. <laughs> God, it's uh, so dark. Man. It's so weird, John. Uh, just yeah, playing as a as a superhero that has to I don't know complete levels and then answer diabetes trivia questions, um, and then yeah, not succumb to having accidentally collected too many donuts and things and killed yourself from diabetes. It's a hell of a game. It's uh, it's one way to educate kids about diabetes. Uh, I'm not sure why kids really need to be educated about diabetes, but you know, someone out there thought this was the way. Instead of giving a boring, you know, lesson about it or, you know, a little book, a little pamphlet, they decided to let's program a fucking video game about it. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're seeing is what we in the industry call um, a grift. Uh, they <laughs> sold about 10,000 copies of this to hospitals. I'm pretty confident what happened was they went to some hospital, said, hey, guys, mm. we can make a game for kids with diabetes. And they said, OK. And then they did it. Uh -huh. and they sold it and they got it and said, well, sure learned our lesson. <laughs> let's yeah. not do that again. Well. All the kids are dead. This is bad. <laughs> and, why, and why is this hospital owned an SNES to begin with? <laughs> We're not running this hospital very well at all. <laughs> uh, classic times, man. Um, yeah. Fucking Captain Novelin. What a guy he is. Uh, let's just get out of here. Two songs from Captain Novelin and composer Kingsley Thurber. Great composer name. I'll give him that. Uh, and also Mark Gainis. 
also a great composer name. <laughs> so we've got the Pineville Streets, and we've got Mount Way Up There from Captain Nobleman. Feel feel sick. I get why David took that song to make a bathroom break, man. That's, like <laughs> you know, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's really something. But, um, you know, what genre do you call that, Johnny? Like, you know, what, what were you getting out of that instrumentation? What was that to you? <laughs> um, I call that grift genre. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a classic jazz grift. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nothing about this, like, everything about this says that, you know, 
somebody got to write something off on their taxes, <laughs> something mm-hmm. along those lines, and that that was the real goal. Yeah. Kingsley Thurber, clearly a made-up name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all just some sort of tax cheat. Uh, fucking A, Captain Noble. So moving on to games, or at least a game that I'm sure everybody did play and is excited to talk about. Guys, let's bust out our Game Boys, because it's time for a fantastic sequel, and I'm saying this free of sarcasm. Truly one of the most beloved sequels on uh on the game boy and uh the introduction of a fantastic endearing character in who else wario it's super mario land 2 six golden coins y'all oh this was the game the reason i I wanted to get it this was why i wanted a game boy back in the day was for this game Uh yeah (laughs) yeah uh, same, and I didn't get a Game Boy for years after this, and it was still like, "Hey, man, uh, you got a Game Boy in this house, right? I can play that like while I'm at your house, hanging out with you, and just play your Game Boy, right? Like, <laughs> uh, fun game, fun character, also. But you know, love the old original deranged Wario look. Like, oh, yeah. I kind of miss him looking that fucked up. Yeah, they should bring him back, classic Wario, uh, as like a, mm-hmm. some kind of alternate look in uh in the Smash Brothers games. Yeah, just like real fucked up and like bug eyed and lumpy. Like, I feel like he still looks pretty fucked up, but you know, not as fucked up as he originally did. Like his head was so big. So I feel uh, like this is one of those incidents of like, hey, we're gonna create a dark, twisted anti-hero specifically to be a villain and like not expecting it to catch on. So it's like, oh, I co- okay, I guess we gotta tone down his appearance like originally he was just kind of like a weird fucked up version of mario and then like wait this caught on okay let's like actually make it palatable to people (laughs) right we're gonna have to make a model that like it makes sense for it to be able to like walk and move because this guy's all fucked up um yeah but you know in toning down the the weird you know bizarre look let's also tone up the farting and the awfulness like you know god wario just wario rules um (laughs) I do want to um, specify that Super Mario Land 2, uh, Six Golden Coins, did introduce a an enemy into the Mario series whose name I sadly can't remember, but is basically a walking hockey mask with a knife. So this is the Fuck game yeah. that introduced like Jason Voorhees into the Mario series. Good. I'm glad to hear that, too. Yeah. I, you know, I never made it that far in this game. But yeah, man, what a... Yeah. What a cool, just like great, like expansion of the first one. And, you know, just looking at like screenshots of it now, it's like, man, he, like, you know, the Mario and Luigi sprites look good in it. Fucking, you know, Wario's looking good. Uh, you know, I, like, I know that land is like the Game Boy thing, but like, I kind of wish they could have brought a little bit more land into the, the console releases, you know, like, I, I'd like to see a little bit of this weirdness on, uh, on some, you know, on the systems that I was playing. You know, I wanted some SNES super mario land weirdness uh you know we're definitely like man can you imagine like if they made super mario land 64 like all the fucking weird oh. stuff of super mario land but in like you know 3d like what a what a sequel that would have been <laughs> well and that's one of those things that we're like the super mario land series kind of brought in like real world stuff like the obviously the first super mario land had worlds based on like easter island and egypt and super mario land 2 added things where you had you were going into like spooky halloween areas and there was a world based on like mario but it was actually like a factory for toys like 
I kind of wish Super Mario Odyssey did those kind of things. Like, yeah, you went to like not New York and New Donk City and everything, but like, God, why wasn't there just some Super Mario Land weirdness added in? Like, why wasn't there like a land kingdom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, you know, I mean, the closest we got to anything like that would be like Super Mario Galaxy ultimately. Uh, you know, another feather in the cap of that fantastic uh set of games. I wish they would make Super Mario Galaxy 3, because you know, that's your excuse to get weird. It's out in space. And yeah, you can just fucking make it as uh, wacky worlds as you like. But I don't know. It's a great game. Uh just an utter all-time classic. And we got two fantastic songs from Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. And uh, composers, uh-oh, why does that just say Nintendo? I should know that even without looking. Uh, embarrassing for me. Uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. We'll cut all this out in post-production. No, no, my, my, you got to leave my sweating in here. This is, <laughs> this is terrible. Um, I mean, David, who composes Super Mario Land 2? Come on, go out on a, on a limb here. I mean, don't put me on the spot. I'm pretty uh, sure okay. it's Hip Totaka. Or... No, it's it's Kazumi Totaka. <laughs> oh, it's Kazumi Totaka. Yeah, because it's got Totaka's song and all that stuff. So uh, from composer Kazumi Totaka, we've got Stage Music 1 and we've got Space Zone Stage Music 2. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the two most classic pieces of music from Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins.
man, just uh, just kind of fun tunes that I expect from Mario and Totaka. Mm, I love it. I love it so much. Just like I love this next game that obviously is just as good as Super Mario Land 2, and it's also being released this month for the Game Boy. Uh, a software creations joint, of course. Um, it, was, it was the early 90s, and it was time for, uh, for a new set of mascots to take over your Game Boy and all your other game systems. So it's time for the incredible Crash Test Dummies, the game. <laughs> I'm guessing you guys played this, and it makes a worthy follow-up to Super Mario Land 2. <laughs> You know, I know there was a a bizarre period where crash test dummies were like a thing because I Mm -hmm. feel like they had an animated series. So, of course, they had a game on the Game Boy, but no, I I did not play this. Hmm. Johnny, this seems like it would be right up your alley. You play uh, play crash test dummies? No, the Game Boy, but I did rent the Sega Genesis version of this once. No kidding. Yeah, because I remember those PSAs of the crash test dummies and, you know, them being a very popular thing in this game coming out. Be like, oh, cool. Because I think they also had a whole line of, like, so you had the PSAs in the late 80s, but then I think they, right. in the 90s, it, somebody made action figures. turned into a toy. Yeah, it was a whole toy yeah. line. <laughs> it's a very, very silly evolution of things, man. The Geico cavemen wish they had gone on this fucking route. Like, you know, take an ad and then make a toy based on the ad and then start making games and cartoons based on that toy. Yeah. You know, it's a very successful marketing campaign in that sense. <laughs> yeah, and I remember the toys being a lot of fun because, like, they're, you know, cars and figures and you crash them, you know. But when you play the game, I don't recall driving any cars or crashing any cars in the game at any point. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, I kind of feel like is a a major missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, uh... If I was playing the Incredible Crash Test Dummies, I would expect to pretty much just be crashing cars into walls and blowing things' heads off, yeah. and not doing like platforming and mini games <laughs> at any point. So <laughs> it's, um, you know, not a not a great success on that front, but it is a great success on a certain front. Of course, Software Creations joint for the Game Boy, and so who'd they get uh, to make that Game Boy chip sing? They got Tim the God Fallen for the Incredible <laughs> Crash Dummies. <laughs> Awesome. And oh, that's, that's why it's on the episode. Oh, okay. that's why it's on the episode. That's why it's somehow after Super Mario Land 2. Not that these things are ranked in like order of importance or anything, but like you know, we're working our way towards the finale of the segment and somehow Crash Test Dummies follows up Super Mario Land 2. It's because there's fallen tunes in this one, baby. So uh, we got two, uh, two fantastic songs from Incredible Crash Dummies and composer Tim the God Fallen. Uh, we've got background music's four and six beautifully titled songs for a beautiful game.
Guys, that guy just makes the fucking, he makes the chips sing. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, like, why it is that cer- certain people are just blessed with the ability to make uh, something that normally makes slightly annoying sounds make beautiful sounds. But, uh, man, that guy cracked the code. Um, God, I'm just, you know, always at. And speaking of games that cracked the code, it's time, Johnny, your time to shine because. There's a fantastic new game out. It's a sequel. It's another fantastic sequel for this uh, for this edition of Gems. And of course, it's a sequel to a game, a very popular game, that Johnny doesn't like. But I think Johnny probably is... This is the start of your love for a certain blue hedgehog character that starts to go fast. Um, it's Sonic 2. Oh, God. Sonic 2. Oh, like, I, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yes. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Thank you for clarifying. Finally, a good Sonic game. <laughs> Cause, uh, cause, yeah, that I first... love that when you know, we learned that about you, that you hate Sonic <laughs> 1 was one of my favorite moments of the show. <laughs> so it's like, oh, good. We get the good Sonic game now. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, Sonic 1, a lot of, you know, maze type levels. Like, you don't really get to go that fast all the time. Sonic 2 <laughs> just took all the parts of Sonic 1 that were good and cranked them up, you know, to 11. And oh, it's just such a great game. It's such a great game. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you got tails running around and being annoying, <laughs> and, yeah. and like being really I mean, not yeah, helpful. Tails, not all he was hyped up to be. I, I remember, like, uh, my, it was my friend Alex that had the the Sega. Obviously, I was a Super Nintendo guy, so I had to go over to Alex's house to play Sega. And he's like, "Yeah, we can play two players. Uh, you know, one of us could be Sonic and one of us could be Tails." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome." And the uh, the meta game of trying to keep up with Sonic as Tails <laughs> can't do uh, it. Very <laughs> <no, you> typical. <laughs> Because I'm like, hey, you're, you're kind of leaving me behind. Okay, well, I mean, he automatically catches up at some point. So, I mean, I'll be here for the boss. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just going to kind of hang out and let you play. And then I'll I'll show up and I'll, I'll ruin the special stages at some point. God, play, playing the special stages with Tails was just an absolute nightmare. Uh, just imagine me at, you know, this is, again, November of fucking, you know, 92. So seven, um, <laughs> you know, seven and on and eight at a friend's house, like attempting to play Sonic and like... <laughs> Yeah, always being condemned to the second player thing. Um, It's one of the reasons for a while I wasn't a huge fan of Sonic. (laughs) You know, I didn't have any fun playing that series when I was a kid. Probably because I never got to be fucking Sonic. (sighs) But the game, I mean, it's kind of undeniably awesome. Like, uh, the levels are fucking great. The music's great. The special stages, when you're actually, you know, able to control both characters instead of one or the other, are uh, are quite fun. Love the the half-pipe running, or... The so half pipe is a full pipe, or uh, half whatever pipe. it is. Yeah, but whatever that fake ass 3D thing they're doing, you know, man, it, it works. Um, I had one very disappointing thing back in the day because this was mm. Sonic Two. There's no save or anything. You just got to beat it in one go, right? Yep. And um, well, I also hated that. Yeah, and uh, I remember at one point I was like, I'm gonna play as Tails, and I'm gonna get all the Chaos Emeralds and see Super Tails, and that's gonna be so cool. And you play Uh-oh. the game, you get all the emeralds, <laughs> and it's like, you got all the emeralds. Good job. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, oh no. Don't touch him, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, that was nice. You know, very nice of you. Give them to Sonic now. <laughs> uh, well, sorry, Johnny. You found the one letdown thing. About <laughs> Sonic 2. Uh, lovely game. Um, lovely game. Oh, sorry. Go for it, David. I was going to say, 
as Johnny brings us down, I'd <laughs> like to bring us back up um, with a potentially hot take. Um, <gasps> I will go so far as to say Emerald Hill Zone greater than Green Hill Zone. Mm, I don't have a soundboard up. Yeah, I agree with but that hot take. I See, mean, I nobody has a soundboard up, but Emerald Hill Zone, that song, like, I get Green Hill is iconic and whatnot, but Emerald Hill, I'm I'm going to say it's better. I think it is. And I think the thing is, Green Hill is only held up in such reverence by Sonic's production team. It's like, okay, this is the original song. It's like, it's like their Super Mario Brothers theme. So they have to keep going back to it. It's like, yeah, actually, no, Emerald Hill was better. You guys, you know. And where is that kind of love for Chemical Plant Zone? Frankly, oh, like God. that's the thing that needs to keep getting brought back up. Like that is the moment. Like when you beat Green Hill Zone, and then the music to Chemical Plant Zone kicks in. It's like, all right, yeah, we got a game here, guys. Oh, like this, and, uh, oh shit! <laughs> when you go down that first giant slope in Chemical Plant, and Sonic outruns uh-huh. outruns the camera, you're like, oh fuck, he is so fast. <laughs> yeah, we're living now, baby. This is fucking crazy. Where did he go? What is even this level? Oh man, I'm drowning. In fucking <laughs> awesomeness. <laughs> oh, but wait, no, I'm actually drowning. Yeah. Fuck, oh, fuck, shit. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I got crushed by the moving things. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no, fucking, it's just a, it's a dynamite fucking game, man. Um, Johnny, you want to control the picks on this one? Or, I mean, you got, uh, I feel like I got to do Emerald Hill Zone and Chemical Plant Zone. You got a third pick that you uh, feel like you need to insist upon? Yes. The, um, okay. Oh crap! Uh, it's the song that plays after you defeat the, the Death Egg. It's like the final. I don't think it's technically the credits music. It plays before the credits music. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. Say, ice cap zone. <laughs> no way. Love that ice cap. <laughs> it is ending. It's listed as ending theme, probably. You cool. Have, you have anything? Well, I don't have to load it up. Oh. But uh, yeah, what I do have is Johnny, of course you three. Give us a third song. <laughs> oh wait, I don't have that. Fuck you. Well, I'm, I'm on my new computer where my files aren't organized the way I'm used to, but it's in here somewhere. Uh, so uh, we've got three fantastic songs from Sonic the Hedgehog Two. It's the bonus beats, of course. It's just the ultimate classic soundtrack for this month uh, from composer Masato Nakamura. We've got the Emerald Hill Zone and the Chemical Plant Zone, and then we've got uh, what is this song, Johnny? I'm sorry. What's the last one? The ending theme. The ending theme from which Sonic is, the Hedgehog 2. Which is a cover yeah. of Sweet, Sweet, Sweet by the composers. Uh, oh, they, I forget well. the name of their band now. So dream, oh, oh, Dreams Come True. The, so the, the composers to this game had a band called Dreams Come True, and they basically just straight right. up covered one of their songs as the ending theme, and it's mm, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah. It's, uh, it's a great game. It's a great soundtrack, and that's going to do it for this great month. Uh, we'll see you guys in uh, 2002.
Mm, mm, mm. Man, what a month that was. And what a month this is going to be. You know, I'm feeling Sonic so much that, Johnny, I feel like we got to do a quick little bonus inclusion because November of 2002 started off with a uh, very interesting little uh, collection that uh, came out for uh, a couple of systems. And if you got anything that you want to say about Sonic Mega Collection, now would be the time to say, because I don't feel like it really fits the nature of the show to talk about a collection, but I feel like there might have been a unique feature or two about this. Yeah, so Sonic Mega Collection, I think, was, um, there's some, like, Game Gear games that were never released in the U.S. that got released via this game. Um, if I'm, I always, there's Sonic Mega Collection, then there's Mega Collection Plus, and then there's Gems Collection, uh-huh. so, like, I get them mixed up a little bit. Um, right. But I believe this did come with some new ones. I'm looking up the list now. Uh, uh, I might be I might be completely wrong. I might be thinking of a different Sonic collection. <laughs> I gave you the chance. You blew it. <laughs> oh, wait, no. He, okay, yeah, Sonic Drift. Sonic Drift was on this, and that was the first time it got released outside the U.S. Um, oh, word. I'm sorry. No, that's on that's on Mega Collection Plus. <laughs> oh, damn okay, it. Okay, well, I, I'm not terribly worried, because we're never going to talk about another Sonic collection on this show. Clearly, you're not up to the task. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How absurd, Johnny. Uh, yeah, but I thought it was cool because it had Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles, had all the Genesis games, fucking, and then you could do these, uh, you know, these other fucking unlockable games. But uh, if you're not prepared to speak to that, then we don't have to talk about it. We'll just have to enjoy the one well, song from this, Sonic Mega Collection. What? <laughs> this does have Knuckles and Sonic 2, and I think this is, oh. that, that is rarely ever re-released as far as the um, lock-on technology games goes. Uh, right. so that's a pretty cool inclusion that they put that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I knew there was some reason I wanted to get you to talk about this. But uh, there's also one very unique song from it. There's some bizarre remix of the Sonic uh, CD opening song. Uh, so we're going to listen to that, and then we'll get into games with uh, two songs or more. <laughs> Circumstance 
not gonna lie, I will listen to any version of Sonic Boom. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, I'm sure that's probably on a fucking arranged CD somewhere or something, but I haven't heard it, and it doesn't seem like it would be in any of the like re-released games, so we can listen to that. And yeah, Funky Sonic Boom, oof, fine, that sounds good. So, um, moving on from that, to games that obviously, you know, I, I say we probably all played that we haven't actually played, because uh, it's PlayStation 2, and it's 2002. And you guys didn't own the PlayStation 2 in 2002, so you probably don't have much to say about Ratchet and Clank. You know, Ratchet and <laughs> Clank is one of those series that makes me wish I was a PlayStation owner. Like, I was definitely mm-hmm. a GameCube owner, um, but the Ratchet and Clank series, like, I don't know, something about it of just, like, cute, cartoony character with a sassy robot sidekick and bizarre crazy weapons like yeah yeah that's up my alley and Mm -hmm. i i wish that i played these yeah no like just you know tons of guns and guns that do silly things like shoot black holes and lava and like electrical torpedoes and shit you know that's where it's at man um yeah i uh, i still haven't played as many of the ratchet and clank games as i feel like i should have by now but i this was a a very good game for uh, going over to a friend's house and if you weren't necessarily playing because it was only one player at the time uh, it was pretty entertaining to watch. Like, say, your friend Michael's playing it and you're just getting high in the corner. It's very fun to watch him play. It's like, holy shit, man. This, you know, this game is crazy. You're just hopping all over the place and you know, fucking killing things with crazy-ass guns. All right, cool. I'm into it. Uh, Purely it's hypothetical like, it's crazy, but... watching somebody else play while you're smoking weed uh, in the corner. A complete hypothetical. hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know, I, I can't speak to this experience in any way. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's a game where like the action is crazy, but it's also, I don't know, somehow back in those days, the action was still easy to follow. It's like, yeah, fucking, you know, you're running around shooting a bunch of crazy shit with crazy guns, but like, I don't know. It's not a, it's somewhat basic, like, you know, third person game. You're the character with the big floppy ears and the crazy gun, anything coming at you, blow it up. So, you know, cool. Done with gusto. Um, it's, uh, yeah, just, uh, just fun games, man. And I'm glad that the series, you know, kind of endured a little bit. Uh, I feel like they need to, they like, I don't think the games necessarily need to be made on like a yearly or bi-yearly basis, but this is the kind of thing where it's like, just get a, a team to keep thinking up new guns and keep on updating these and like put them out, man. Fucking, you know, kids these days, they need a good, you know, third person shooter with a bunch of wacky guns and crazy shit going on all over the place. Uh, I know they've got their free-to-play games with all the wacky guns and crazy shit going on all over the place that are more popular than ever now, but they need Ratchet in them. You know, what I'm saying is put Ratchet in Fortnite, and maybe we'll talk. Um, I was just about to say, it's like, so I feel like maybe Ratchet and Clank needs Darth Vader and Thanos added in. <laughs> Can you imagine, guys? And, and stick with me. What if Ratchet and Clank, I mean, you know, Clank's a robot. Maybe he could build things. And you could build like these crazy towers to the sky and, you know, fuck up this whole battle royale situation at the end. Again, I'm speaking completely, you know, hypothetically. Uh, there's there's no game to cross over with Ratchet and Clank these days. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe these things are, uh, we've moved past these, but I don't know. I think they're just, uh, they're fun. And maybe this actually, now that I'm describing it, is just kind of the way of all shooting games now, just fucking does Fortnite do wacky or is it just all kinds of different stats and status effects and things? I feel like it's not wacky enough. That's the thing. I mean, Fortnite needs a lava gun or some shit. I feel like you can be Darth Vader throwing a Kamehameha. So like there's a certain degree of wacky 
a little bit wacky sounds like yeah well okay well then rest in peace ratchet and clank uh you were great while you lasted we got two fantastic songs from composer david bourgeot we've got the kaizil plateau and we've got outpost x11 
Mm-hmm. Got, uh, got a little bit of that funky, a little bit of that drum and bass feel, and uh, some fucking some fun shooting music. It's good stuff, guys. Um, so speaking of games where it's fun to shoot things, uh, another game, uh, you know, I I guess I would have to say I would put this slightly under Ratchet and Clank in terms of fun that can be had shooting things, but still a game that I feel like we all had to grab at some point based on reputation of previous games from this uh, franchise. It's uh, not just out on the PlayStation 2, it's also, or actually, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's out on GameCube and Xbox as well, so I think we all put a little bit of time into this. 007, Nightfire. I never really played this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I realized once I started preparing the show, we've talked in the past, you guys and I played Agent Underfire, that was the uh, that was the one that we all played together that had the wacky uh, like claw shot zipline things and the the weird things where you could like change the gravity in the multiplayer game. <laughs> um, Is but... this the... oh wait no I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking about another 007 game where it was the spiritual successor to GoldenEye because your character was literally like implanted with a golden eye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. Was that like? Wasn't there yeah, like Goldeneye Rogue Agent or something like that? Like a Wii game, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like yeah. It's it's basically Goldeneye, but we're gonna rationalize it by giving you a golden eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, uh, Nightfire. It's uh. I want to say it. You know, well, no, it's not the first like 007 game out for any of these systems after uh fucking uh goldeneye because they made at least some attempt to do tomorrow never dies and maybe the world's not enough but i feel like this was one of the ones where it's like oh okay this is actually good it, it doesn't capture the same feel as you know goldeneye but like you know this this feels like a decent update of the bond formula for like ps2 over like nintendo 64 and ps1 and it's got fucking you know voice acted cutscenes and things like that you know it's uh it's it's a fun improvement on the bond things but th- I think the problem is it's not based on any Bond movie, so it's just kind of them making something up themselves. So the game, I don't know, like it's a it's like a C tier story because they just fucking made something up. Um, is this and- a game where you could use um, Sean Connery's jetpack? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay, because I, so. <laughs> I know there was I know there was a James Bond like original game whatnot where you could unlock the jetpack. I don't remember mm. if it was this one though. Yeah. Um, that feels like it might've been this, or it might've been, like I said, the next one where they gave you like fucking grappling hooks and low gravity features and shit. I feel like actually, I feel like that's agent under fire, which is also, it's a sequel to this and it's another original, uh, you know, bond story, but that one was fun because they just went crazy off the wall with fucking zero gravity grappling hooks and jetpacks. So, you know, well, we got to find that game and play it again sometime. But uh, this also is another uh, another brand new Jim's thing where I'm going to try and read some fucking audience responses to some of these games. We got some comments in the Discord. Go to Discord and give us your comments for Game That Tune Jim's. Of course, Patreon of Fan Taylor Wise says, Yo, 007 Nightfire was better than Goldeneye, in my opinion. Doing all the challenges to get the golden versions of all the guns. And then he does that little pog face. Um I forgot about that until he mentioned it, but yeah, there were challenge tokens throughout the levels. And if you did certain things, uh, you unlocked golden versions of each gun. Do I, do I know offhand if the golden versions made everything, kill everything in one bullet? 
no, I don't. But I think it was more like a, like a badge of honor thing. Like you're holding a golden version of the fucking machine gun or whatever. Like show everybody how badass you are by playing through the game with golden guns. But uh, nice inclusion. Challenges. You know, nobody ever thought to include challenges in the game before. Thanks, Taylor. Great comment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got two fantastic songs from GoldenEye, or excuse me, not GoldenEye, fuck. Uh, from James Bond 007, Nightfire. We've got the Alps and we've got the SUV because also this included driving sections, which were just kind of okay so uh let's hear some fantastic tunes from nightfire and composers uh not composers from composer steve duckworth
know what I was saying? Like the guy that did the music for Super Star Wars, like uh, he had it kind of easy because he had John Williams things to adapt. Kind of the same same thing here. Like mm. uh, it's nice when you've got a really great, like iconic set of themes to adapt for your uh, for your game. Uh, just you know, oof. I, I, yeah, I'm not prepared to declare it a hot take that James Bond has a fantastic theme song. Um, I think that's just kind of well known at this point. No, that's uh, that's not a hot take. That's an established fact. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so moving on to uh, something I've been dreading talking about, guys. It's a new fighting game in a long-running series. Uh, some might call it Mortal Kombat 5. I wouldn't call it that because they, they didn't use the 5. They called it Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. But some might also call it the, the start of Mortal Kombat super losing its way for a good several years after this. I mean, it's uh, Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. The first Mortal Kombat game in uh, to go 3D instead of uh, instead of 2D Mortal Kombat. Um, Wait, wasn't Mortal Kombat four in 3D? It I was, was about to ask the same question. It, so Mortal Kombat four was in 2D, but you could press a button to dodge into the background, and so like the the fighting all took place on the 2D plane. Like, it's just, like, if you press dodge, your character moves and the frame resets. So you could technically, like, move, like, a frame or, you know, like a like a plane back uh, and, like, pick up a weapon that you see off in the distance. But, like, no, it wasn't really 3D. Mm. Uh, all the fighting was still the classic 2D Mortal Kombat fighting. This fucked it all up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Dave, I feel like you might have dabbled in a little bit of Mortal Kombat back in these days. Did you play Deadly Alliance? I did not. I played Good. um Deception. Uh, whatever the one that was released on the Wii was. Oh, okay. Well that's yeah, that's Mortal Kombat. I wouldn't say Armageddon. I was gonna say Armageddon or Annihilation. Like yeah. I don't know. A lot like of Annihilation Mortal was Kombat. the movie and Armageddon was the game. It's like a lot of the Mortal Kombat games, especially at this point, start blending together. Like as yeah, soon as they, they started suck. giving them subtitles, like you couldn't tell what was what. Yeah. Um, and they suck. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I played this, um, especially because, um, I, as as I believe has been established on the show, I was never one for Mortal Kombat. Like, right. Part of me really likes the lore in the series, but like actually sitting down and playing the game, like I was never quite a fan. See, and I thought maybe that you know this being different than the other ones, maybe that would somehow draw you in. Like you hated Mortal Kombat, but now there's a, a 3D Mortal Kombat that sucks. So maybe you'd try it. Uh, Johnny, I'm guessing you never played much of uh, the mid 2000s Mortal Kombats. Um, not for Deadly Alliance. Uh, I only played the Game Boy Advance port of this. I never played the uh, PlayStation 2 <laughs> GameCube versions. God damn it, Johnny. <laughs> well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I mean, we, we all know he's lying, right? Like, <laughs> We all know uh, that. You know, I'm not prepared to dismiss it, man. Johnny might have, I don't know, went over to somebody's house and played their Game Boy Advance Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. <laughs> no, I just wanted to bring up the fact that the also released in November of 2002 was the Game Boy Advance port of Deadly Alliance, which is... Oh, shit, man. I didn't I didn't pull the Game Boy Advance tunes. I didn't even notice that. Oh, I, I love the idea of just the thought of Johnny going to a friend's house like, hey, you want to play like Mario Party? You want to play Smash Brothers? Like, no, no, no. Give me your copy of Mortal Kombat on Game Boy Advance. That's Mortal what Kombat I want to play. Alliance on Game Boy Advance. 
Oh God. I, you know, see now that's fascinating. I almost wish I had looked into that because it's fucking crazy. Like why would you release Mortal Kombat on Game Boy Advance when it's a full 3D like new version that you're releasing on consoles? This would just confuse and piss off Game Boy Advance owners. But you know, I man, I don't know. That's uh that's a weird one. Because I'm betting that the Game Boy Advance, I feel like the Game Boy Advance could do 3D-ish, but I bet you it didn't do it very good. (laughs) No, so imagine playing Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, but the floor of the stage is like a Super SNES Mode 7 style rotation going on. That's your 3D. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's all I need, baby. (laughs) Why would you release multiple versions of a game on different consoles? Uh because money (laughs) well yeah but again because if it was just if they were releasing a mortal Kombat thing on game boy advance and it weren't coupled immediately with them doing a full 3d revamp of mortal Kombat on consoles that's what i'm saying like yeah it's uh strange to me that they would put two things out at once and have one of them be completely non-comparable to the other but hey that's uh that's midway style baby um yeah it's a it's not a great game I you know I remember uh, I definitely rented it instead of buying it. Thankfully, uh, I never bought one of the console Mortal Kombat's until PlayStation Three again. Um, but I definitely played each of these, hoping each time that it would get better. Because I'm like, I got a rental on that. Let's see how it is. Oh no, it still sucks. And you know, I kind of got the feeling this was going to be bad because I remember distinctly the opening cutscene. They murder Liu Kang, and they just say Liu Kang is dead. I'm like, well, that's fucked up. And then I realized it might have been that like. They didn't feel like adapting Liu Kang's like style into 3D. Like if you try to do the forward forward kick and he flies across the stage and a character now can just step out of the way of it, it kind of fucks it up. So like <laughs> I bet you they had to kill Liu Kang just because they did 3D and they didn't feel like fucking with it. But I don't know. Uh is it this game or the next game where they bring Liu Kang back, but he's a zombie? Uh I feel like that might be two games from now. <laughs> okay. I think that I think that's the one you're thinking of the Wii because that one was the one where they brought in that was Mortal Kombat Ultimate essentially they brought in every character and they were like uh, let's bring back Liu Kang but he's a zombie <laughs> like you know since we fucking canonically killed his ass but anyway um, not a big fan of this game but I still like the Mortal Kombat music uh, it's composed by Dan Ford and the series composer we've got two songs we've got the Quatan Palace and we've got Quan Chi's Fortress love that Quan Chi.
still got the good uh got the good Mortal Kombat kind of uh heavy metal vibes to it. I'm into it. Uh just simply not into the gameplay. That's uh that's just simply what it is, man. I'm you know, not digging that 3D. But uh moving on to uh speaking of geez, actually tying it perfectly to this previous discussion, why would you ever release something on consoles and then release something uh only you know tangentially related to it on handheld systems? Um it, you know, a set of games that was uh, a set of fantastic games, quite frankly, that kind of proved me wrong for thinking that was a bad idea. But I guess the, the thing with Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance was they, they called it Deadly Alliance on Game Boy Advance, which I feel like is a mistake. David, tell me something. Would you have been disappointed if when you played it on the Game Boy Advance, the game had been called Metroid Prime instead of Metroid Fusion? Um, knowing that Metroid Prime exists on the GameCube, I okay, real talk. I don't know how to answer that question because both <laughs> Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion are outstanding games, yes. But what if Metroid Fusion had been called Metroid Prime and you thought it was going to be a first person shooter game with fantastic graphics on the Game Boy Advance and instead you got the fantastic Metroid Fusion? I mean, honestly, I would probably be a little confused, but not really bothered because, right. again, Metroid Fusion is amazing. Yeah, so Metroid Fusion is out for the Game Boy Advance, David. Um, man, what a game. I know it's one of your all-time favorites. It is. It's <laughs> It's the game that got me into Metroid, to be honest, because I played Metroid for the NES and did not like it because... If you don't have a guide open in front of you, what the hell is that game? Um, I famously missed the Super Nintendo. Um, I did get Metroid Prime, but I played it. And then for like a couple weeks, I stepped away from it and then got completely lost because I oh, came yeah. back to that game like, where the fuck am I? Um, <laughs> and then I played Metroid Fusion and I was like, oh, this is that whole series, but good. I feel like I should go back to Metroid Prime, and I did, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, great games. Um, you know, I was hoping you were going to speak more to Metroid Fusion specifically, because I was not a Game Boy Advance guy, but it's a good thing we got Johnny here as a Game Boy Advance player who definitely played Metroid Fusion and uh, loves all the things about it. I mean, I can definitely speak to Metroid Fusion if you need, <laughs> but I'll I'll give the floor to Johnny. Yeah, he's got it. Oh, yeah. So the best part about Metroid Fusion was they finally figured out how to have a Metroid reaction that creates more energy than you spent, you know, performing it. Um, mm -hmm. It was and and it's a great way to you know reduce our energy costs and have unlimited Metroid based <laughs> energy. Yeah, Samus, Samus reduced her, her bills by a great degree. <laughs> it, was, it was an important entry in the series. <laughs> and I will say. An important entry in humanity, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I will say, I think Metroid Fusion did the best job, until Metroid Dread, of inspiring fear. Um, mm. Which I think is funny, because it's the Game Boy Advance version and not the GameCube version. But yeah those those instances where you're hiding from the sax like i i have never felt tension in a game before before playing those segments of metroid fusion like when the sax is hunting you like it's legitimately terrifying sweet man yeah uh i never played fusion but i played uh played dread and yeah 
it's a good feeling. Uh, it's the kind of thing that like just oh makes you want to keep playing. Yeah, I, I like I like a fear that makes you want to keep playing instead of makes you want to turn off the game and never go back to it. <laughs> I will I will also say, and this might be a hot take if we had the hot take sound. Mm. Um, I'm I'm gonna go out there. I think the Metroid Fusion suit is like one of Samus's best suits. Like I think just aesthetically, stylistically, like I think it looks really good. It's a good suit. Uh, I, I feel like the only thing I know about it is that it feels like it's more turquoise than the others, but uh, it's it's turquoise, <laughs> but it's also like semi organic because it's right. kind of like Samus gets injected with the Metroid DNA, and like it just I don't know, it kind of like gets like a techno organic vibe to it, and I I don't know, I think the fusion suit is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. And I'm sorry, we never should have gone to Johnny because we do actually have uh, another uh, comment in the Game Tune Discord for this one uh, from CX Trife uh, saying, I remember when I played Metroid Fusion and Metroid Prime. I didn't have a lot of games or consoles back then. I was still in elementary school when my mom bought me a GBA and when we went on a trip from L.A. to Mexico. Uh, the only game I had was Pokemon Silver, which came uh, when I came back from those vacations. A friend let me borrow Metroid Fusion. I had only played Super Metroid emulated and I had loved it. So I was really excited to play. It was really, it was different, but really good. I do remember getting nervous whenever the SAX was chasing me. At that time, I always bought the monthly Mexican version of Club Nintendo magazine. And there was a lot of coverage on how Metroid Fusion and Metroid Prime were going to be released at the same time and how everyone was so hyped about them. I didn't have a GameCube of my own at that time, but my cousins did. And they got Metroid Prime for Christmas. So I asked my mom to take me to their house every weekend to play that. And then when I moved to the U.S., when I came back, my dad had bought me a GameCube, and the first things my cousins did was give me their copy of Metroid Prime. So, awesome. Um, yeah, sounds like uh, the universal experience of being excited slash terrified of an SAX chasing you and um, finding the games very cool. And so, you know, before we talk about Metroid Prime, we're going to hear two songs from Metroid Fusion uh, from composers Minaku Himano and Akiri Fujiwara. We've got Sector 1, SR388 Reproduction Area, and Sector 4, Underwater Area.
you know, if it weren't for the Game Boy Advance sound chip, uh, I would say I really, really, really love those tunes. And uh, they captured the, you know, the feel of the, uh, the game and the, the kind of creepiness and the dread of Metroid very well. I'm not saying they don't do that in spite of the Game Boy Advance sound chip. I'm just saying, damn that Game Boy Advance sound chip. It ruined so many songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, David, moving on to Metroid Prime. It's, uh, it's the final game of the segment. How about that Metroid Prime? <laughs> uh, Metroid Prime is amazing. And it's I, immense. <laughs> it's, it's one of those games where I feel like... So Nintendo released a, a different genre for this game. Like They didn't classify it as a first-person shooter. They classified it as a first-person adventure. And normally I would say that was just like generic corporate bs like advertisement and whatnot but after playing it like no i i i feel like they're onto something like this is a first person adventure game um because it's it's the best possible way of that classic metroid exploration but from a first person perspective yeah no it really it, it really was amazing how much it was just the classic metroid formula applied to the 3d thing uh, to the point where like i remember being so just like i don't want to say frustrated but it, i mean really the word that it comes down to is frustration like when you've explored so much of this map and it's like where did i see that one fucking door i haven't opened yet i gotta remember where the fuck i'm supposed to go right now like you still have your map and you know stuff like that but it, it's like okay you know gotta backtrack let's see i fucked something up here you know, I missed something. Let me just go do this room again. Blast, 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 roll around, do this. Like, it was so much like my experiences of playing Super Metroid, <laughs> where I'm not the most, like, paying attention to everything. Uh, you know, I, like, miss things and forget them and have to go back and do them again. And it's just, it's that. It's, you know, the action of the game, obviously, is shooting, but there's so much just, like, exploration and then the, the discovery aspects of it and the scanning of the things to learn the lore of what's going on. Just, you know just a fucking awesome awesome game and yeah uh, see the the thing that i felt like most invested me was the fact that you're seeing everything from samus's visor so like you yes. see your energy you see your like ammunition whatnot but when you blast a enemy like the 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 fluid splatters on you. Yep. Like when you walk under a waterfall, you see the water sprinkle there. When you use like the electric um, beam and like are shocking enemies, there's like a flashback and you see the reflection of Samus in the visor. Like yeah. that game just found a way to ground you into it. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, like it was just, you know, their chance to do all these fucking touches that, you know, they it's it's also I think it's just it felt like such a leap because they fucking completely missed the Nintendo 64. And so there was never like a bad in between like, you know, Metroid 64. You just jump from Super Metroid to fucking Prime and it was like, holy fuck. Like it just felt like you were in that world. And it was uh, it was huge, man. I, it was fucking I awesome. mean, we had Smash Brothers that, you know, not really a Metroid game. Um, you know, if you're talking model, yeah, there was Samus. But, you know, it didn't, Super Smash Brothers did not scratch my itch for the exploration quite like Metroid. I'm prepared to declare that also not a hot take. Super Smash Brothers is not a very good Metroid game. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go out on that limb, man. I'm not afraid to die on that hill. 
Super Smash Brothers is a good thing. It's good many things. It's not a good Metroid game. <laughs> it's a bold take, Cotton. Let's yeah. see what happens. Right. It's not. It's not trying to be. In fact, it's, in fact, it's a completely different thing. Um. But yeah, man. The yeah. Uh, David, you're maybe the only person I know of that I can ask this. Uh, did you do any of the connectivity features between Metroid Prime and Fusion? So, as a matter of fact, um, I had, no, never. Who did? <laughs> I I had a GBA cable, so I did. Um, and I got the Fusion suit in Metroid Prime, and oh. it was really cool to see that okay. fully rendered in 3D. Like you saw it basically whenever you were going down an elevator, and that's it. But Still not gonna lie as somebody who loves the fusion suit like it was pretty damn cool to see yeah validating for you and your love of the fusion suit man good shit great games we got three fantastic songs from metroid prime uh and of course composer kenji yamamoto and kuichi kuyuma or excuse me kiyuma uh we've got planet talon 4 we've got the lava caves and we've got the crashed ship frigate orpheon and i know you're probably all thinking John, man, why, why, aren't you, why aren't you playing those Fendrana Drifts? To which I say, it's a long song, and uh, to quote the great George Harrison on The Simpsons, it's been done. So we're going to listen to three other songs from Metroid Prime, and we'll see you guys in the next segment. Happy, uh, happy 2002, guys.
guys it's november of 2012 and what a month it is what an, uh, an enormous month and you know i i don't know why it was that i key in on things like the ratchet and clank series but guys we're going for some reason back to the ratchet and clank series um yeah <laughs> or should i just jettison full frontal assault from the show altogether i feel like we've already kind of covered ratchet and clank yeah. he's back on the uh, playstation 3 there's really um, not much else to say about it. <laughs> uh, excuse me. I believe it's their back. Oh, see? That's a funny thing. I feel bad for Clank because I'm never thinking of Clank. I'm always thinking of Ratchet. And, you know, I'm, it, I'm always thinking Ratchet and Clank is one guy. And I never, never give Clank his due. So I'm sorry, Clank. We're going to do two songs from Ratchet and Clank, Full Frontal Assault, and composer Michael Bross. We've got Torrent 4, Recon Phase, and we've got the Korgon Refinery.
All right, sorry. Rest in peace, Clank. We miss you every day. So now let's get down to business. David, I want to know if you played another fantastic handheld sequel, this one that was released in November of 2012. It's been a good uh, good show so far for handheld sequels, David. So I want to know, how do you feel about Crash Mo? Oh, <laughs> I like this game. Okay. <laughs> I like how much intense thought you put into that. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where I had to pause because Crashmo is the sequel to Pushmo, and mm-hmm. those games are very similar. Yes. So it's like, wait, do I enjoy the original or do I enjoy the sequel? And as it turns out, I enjoy both. Yeah, I was gonna say, can it be both? Um yeah, no, this this was a really fun little like puzzle game. Um basically you play as a, a, a cute little character who's it's on the 3DS, so the whole crux is using 3D space. So like yes. you're pulling various objects out to make platforms that you can climb on to pull other areas out. I'm I'm probably doing a very poor job of explaining this, but um yeah, no, it's it's like a a sprite-paced puzzle game where you have to like select different areas to pull out into a 3D space that you can right. climb on to access other areas. Because um, I feel like the only way you're not quite describing it right is that like you know the puzzles are shaped like sprite things. So like you know you would have like Nintendo puzzles where it's like Mario's face, and each color that you pull out is a different platform. Uh, or like a different thing to to use. So like, you know, as you're scaling these puzzles that are shaped like certain things, that's what determines what can be pushed and pulled. Uh, you know, the color separations. That's uh, that's what I understand about it, at least. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate, but I don't I don't separate things by color, John. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> hey, don't, you know, don't talk to me. Talk to talk to the guys at Nintendo. You know, I, crash I, moment. <laughs> I apologize if that bit needs to be cut out of the episode, but um, no, it is, it is, it's, it's one of those games that's like, it's super fun and it's super intuitive once you have it in front of you, but to like describe as a third person, like it's kind of weird. It's like, yeah, here's a block puzzle that you have to pull out into a third dimension and then climb over to get to a top area. Right. Yeah. The goal is to just to scale the object. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. But um, no, it's, so it's my question on all this is where does it become crashing instead of pushing? Like what's, you know, is it just is the sequel just a name only or is there like a uh, is there a bombing or like a car driving mechanic to it that they added there, from the first one? There's definitely not a car driving mechanic. Damn. Um I, I forget what specifically ties this to Crashmo. I think it might just be the name. Um, okay. <laughs> but I also I also confess it's been a hot minute since I played this. I understand. Uh, you know, I, I was going to say like, oh, they should uh, re-release these for other systems. But no, it's a 3DS thing. It's the whole crux of the game is the 3D. So maybe they don't need to re-release these. You know, maybe the, if, if everybody had adopted 3D TVs, maybe we could have gotten a port of this by now. Hmm? I will say I am very sad that the main character was not an assist trophy in Smash Brothers because I could have easily seen them popping up, pulling sections out of the background and just forming additional platforms. 
That would have been pretty cool. That probably would have been fucking really interesting to implement. It would have been funny if yeah, they either pulled out things that made new platforms or just like pushed away part of the existing stage. I think that would have been a would have been a good assist trophy. But I mean, kind of like there was the like weird what was it, Kuro Kuran, like spinning platform from yeah the thing just got in your way (laughs) like i feel like this could have been an assist trophy it's just like oh hey it just pulled a wall out of nowhere okay Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, i mean yeah or like a fucking what's his name the uh alolan executor so it's uh maybe it was uh, maybe it was too like those things to include but um anyway we've got two fantastic songs from crashmo and composer sho murakami uh we've got the awesomely named crazy for crashmo and then we've got the question that we're all asking in life what are we making
tunes cute tunes with a little uh you know bleepy bloop vibe since you're working with uh you know pixel style puzzles very cute very fun and now speaking of very cute and very fun what a uh, what a follow-up to crash mode we've got here guys johnny i know this is your time to shine because you were never much of a smash brothers player not really you, no no yeah you were waiting for that but with a different set of characters and a slightly different set of mechanics and uh you know a whole new company's worth of characters quite frankly weren't you oh yeah that's exactly what i said you know like uh, smash is, is fine and all but like i i don't want nintendo characters anywhere i need something else right exactly something more so you were ecstatic when playstation all-stars battle royale was released for the playstation 3 <laughs> oh my god dude i was um i did i stayed up for the midnight release of this at gamestop uh so i could get my copy home as soon as possible and I must stay yeah. up till four or five in the morning, just uh, playing as all my PlayStation favorites. 
Uh-huh. Like, okay. like um, now, Johnny, I was gonna say, name a character in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> um, Crash Bandicoot. Um, is Crash Bandicoot in the game? I feel I don't think Crash is. No, Crash Bandicoot's not in the game, John. <laughs> How do they not have Crash Bandicoot in this game? <laughs> I just I want to I take a moment to say that, um, Johnny, Crash Bandicoot is not in this game. You know who is? Polygon Man. <laughs> yep. It's Polygon Man. <laughs> Thank goodness he made it. All right, so Johnny, I'm sorry. You, you were misremembering it. So Crash Bandicoot's not in the game. Who is your next favorite PlayStation character to play as? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that would probably be um, Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great yeah, guess. Funny story. Yeah, good guess. Also not in this game. Oh, funny story. Damn. Cloud Strife, not in PlayStation all-star is in super smash brothers for wii u <laughs> that's right um huh. okay name a name your third favorite playstation character to play as oh goodness i'm enjoying well, this <laughs> <laughs> uh well i really liked uh back in the playstation days playing as a uh, gex uh so is gex in this game <laughs> okay <laughs> now now the whole thing's blown <laughs> god of all the characters who should be in a platform mascot fighting game, why isn't Gex in any of them? It always should have been Gex, yes. Um, but no, Johnny, so uh, your two big ones are not in the game. Um, I'll do a, a brief rundown of the characters that are in the game. Kratos, Parappa the Rapper, Sweet Tooth, Sly Cooper, uh, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, Cole McGrath from Infamous, Evil Cole McGrath, also from Infamous, Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, Big Daddy from Bioshock, Dante from Devil May Cry, Heihachi Mishima, someone named Noriko from something called Heavenly Sword, Raiden from Metal Gear Solid, Sackboy from Little Big Planet, Sir Daniel from Medieval, Spike from Ape Escape, and a little cat mascot thing that I'm not clear what it is. Oh, and also uh, the soldier from Killzone and something called Fat Princess. Um, Wait, so there's no Gran Turismo in this game? <laughs> You know, Johnny, there really should be. That's one of the top selling games on any system. Like, uh, that, you know, Gran Turismo really should have had more representation. I, you know, it's um, a bizarre set of things that they managed to work into this game. And then it, you know, it felt so flat. I feel like they probably thought they were going to get chances to like release more DLC or something, and then it just never happened. Because it's like this this roster sucks, guys. <laughs> like this I, can't be what you had in mind for your final roster. They had to have been working on Crash Bandicoot and just didn't get there. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I will give them credit for Sir Daniel from Medieval because that deep is a pull. deep pull for the PlayStation. <laughs> um, yeah. also arguably Parappa the Rappa. Like that's a pretty deep pull. But yeah, the fact that there was a Nintendo fighting game that got Cloud Strife. Instead yeah. of the PlayStation fighting game, like you got Cloud, and then ultimately Sephiroth too. <laughs> that, that is an embarrassment. Like, yeah, I'll be honest. Oh God, it's uh, it's bizarre, man. And yeah, like uh, getting right in instead of Snake, because uh, yeah, there was also a Nintendo fighting game that got Snake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, it's utterly bizarre. <laughs> God, um, the one thing I'll give PlayStation All Stars uh, a big piece of props for that I really wish Smash Brothers could find a way to have worked in is the stage setups. I thought the stage ideas in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale are really cool because it's like there's merging of worlds going on. So a stage starts out one way, but then gets like invaded by another franchise. So it's like you're in 
like fucking a ratchet and clank stage, but then like a god of war god like busts through the back of it and starts fucking things up. Uh, or like you're doing like a you know Jack and Daxter stage, but then like the characters from Hot Shots Golf show up and start hitting golf balls at you. Like it's I remember silly. the <laughs> the the stage I remember most was it was Patapon from the PlayStation Portable, and then all of a sudden. Hades from God of War showed up and just like started yeah. wrecking shit up. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is something we need the Smash Brothers series to have. Like, yes. See, and yeah, I'm looking at the list stages now. Yeah, you know, they have the the dojo from Parappa the Rapper, but it crosses over with Killzone. <laughs> Dope. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, why does uh, what does Killzone do to the dojo from Parappa the Rapper? I don't know. <laughs> like, because. I don't, you know, that that's the beauty of it. These games should be crazy and off the wall and not make any sense. So yeah, have the colorful wrapping onion and then have a bunch of fucking like soldiers come like mowing through there with chain guns. Yeah, good idea. I wish Super Smash Brothers could figure out a way to work that in. Uh, or even like something like Mario Kart. Just, you know, have morphing stages, please. <laughs> I will say this game gave me the, well, amongst my best ideas, because Super Smash Brothers added ryu from street fighter because mm. like street fighter was popular in the super nintendo um playstation all-stars battle royale added uh Hihachi from tekken because tekken was big on the playstation yes if yes. sega ever gets its shit together and makes like a platform fighter mascot game I want them to add Scorpion from Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat was very big on the Genesis. Like, yes, it was. You know, mm. Street Fighter went to Nintendo, Tekken went to PlayStation. I really hope Mortal Kombat goes to the Genesis game. Yeah, no, that's something they should work out. And yeah, Sega's way overdue for making that. They got too good of a roster of characters. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they they don't make enough Sega crossover games. But anyway, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. What a wacky fucking game. Uh, got two fantastic songs from uh, composer John King. We've got uh, Metropolis with in God of War mode, and we've got Columbia, which I believe is the Bioshock Infinite stage in Twisted Metal mode. So uh, we'll just see if any of that makes any sense to our ears. <laughs>
yeah, man, tunes are cool. Uh, you know, this also serves as a reminder that I should have played Bioshock Infinite by now. <laughs> Jeez Louise, um, way behind. But uh, rest in peace, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. You were uh, too good for this world. You mess of a fucking game, you. So were you though? Hey, you know, everybody should try ripping off Nintendo's good ideas. And PlayStation, they've done so well with it in that era that they were just happy to keep doing it. They're like, yeah, guys, we made the PlayStation move. It's just the Wii controller for PlayStation 3. Let's just take all their other good ideas. We could probably make Smash Brothers, right? Yeah. And so they tried. And so they failed. <laughs> um, so speaking of things that failed, it's time, guys, for the final segment of the show. I've decided to do this one a little bit differently because... Uh, rather than talk about the games individually, I think we should just talk in broad strokes about the launch of the Nintendo Wii U, which <laughs> occurred 10 years ago, November of 2012. <laughs> I wouldn't say the Wii U failed. I, I would say it succeeded at getting everybody excited for Nintendo's next game console. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would say... <laughs> My opinions on the Nintendo Wii U as a whole. Oof. Yes. <laughs> it didn't fail. It completed the normal console life cycle in record time. Uh, it I just, mean... <laughs> it was so fast, it had to be replaced with a new console in, you know, in more sooner than ever before. <laughs> the, the Wii U has its positives, and I will stand by those positives. Yes. Um, I don't believe. One of those positives is a game we will discuss for this segment. Um, but you know what? The the Wii U had its moments. It sure did. Um, see, I, I'd say some of them at launch, you know, uh, Nintendo Land was fun for a little bit. Uh, they tried, you know, that's the thing early on with the, the Wii U, the whole point was the gamepad controller and the asymmetrical gameplay and how like you've got a special controller that shows you something cool. Uh, and different and the other people have all their old Wii controllers for some reason uh, and they have to play and react with those um, See, Nintendo I, Land had some fun concepts in there <laughs> honestly I feel like that was the Wii U's biggest problem oh man messaging dude the like, whole nobody marketing. knew what the fuck it was do it was it was it was such a mess because it was like is it a controller for the Wii the Wii the massively popular system that you know, everyone on the planet owns at this point. You're rolling out a new tablet-based controller for it? Well, no, actually. We're rolling out a new system that's completely tied to that controller. Oh, okay, well, I can trade in my Wii, or my Wii stuff. Actually, no, you should hold on to your Wii remotes because those are still the controllers for the Wii U. Like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's so bad, guys. <laughs> and also, I mean, really, just the name itself is terrible. Wii U. Is very bad. Yeah, like it's a bad name. It got yeah. The, I I was so confused by the Wii U. Like, cause see, I remember seeing a, a box at a store, and I I'm fairly plugged into what's going on in video games at like the, the high level. Like, I know what consoles are coming out mostly, except for Microsoft right. and their naming conventions. That's terrible. But <laughs> oh yeah, they they fucked it up royal. <laughs> but uh, I remember being at like a Best Buy once, be like, oh, Nintendo's got some kind of new add-on for the Wii. Oh, that's neat. Like, I I totally yeah. thought what? it was a new controller what or I something. Have <laughs> but uh yeah no it uh it it suffered from everything <laughs> i have some very positive things to say about the wii u but those mostly stem from may of 2015 
Ah, not yes. November so, 2012. I mean, there were some very good games. Uh, you know, I fucking I do have a uh, you know comment here from uh, our Discord, of course, Spartacat with his comment um, for November 2012 and the Wii U launch, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Always wanting a special place in my heart. Jack Wall's fantastic composer and a massive part of my childhood because of it. Adrenaline has burned permanently into my skull from hundreds of hours of multiplayer. I sunk into the game running TDM on the original hijack map. Um, Dan 100 is already a classic. It reminds me of the time I played zombies mode with my dad. It was the reason he bought the game and I'm glad he did. There was also the Die Rise DLC that came out close to my birthday and kicked all my friends' asses. Fun times. Lastly, the campaign is by far the best in the series. It uses both of its settings to provide a complete look into the motivations of the antagonist. So it creates a villain that isn't just an evil cartoon character. This can be best seen in the Cuban ballad that is his theme, Nino Precioso. Also, Avenged Sevenfold did a song for the post credit scene. Yes, very cool. Um, there, There is a Wii U launch title or like launch window title that I will definitely defend till my dying breath. And it's not Call of Duty Black Ops 2. I'm sorry, Spartacat. I did not choose the music for that for this episode. <laughs> um, though maybe I could probably work it in. Um, so, you know, the, they had a lot of games at launch, you know, but a lot of them were ports from uh, other systems. But, you know, for me, the standouts, Nintendo Land, obviously. Um, and then fucking the, uh, you know, the one that thankfully I was able to rent instead of buy, Zombie U. The one that seemed like it was going to you know, be that fantastic proof of concept, and it turned out to just be a bad zombie game. I did not enjoy it whatsoever. But like, you know, it, I guess it succeeded in its mission of making it super tense to be playing a zombie game because you have to look at the controller to manage your inventory, and when you're doing that, the screen and the the action on the screen isn't stopping. So it's like if there was really a zombie apocalypse going on, you need to stop to rustle through your backpack for something. It is, you know, tense in that sense, but the game's not very fun. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the uh, the couple of ports that were utterly fantastic and part of my favorite games on the Wii U, Tech and Tag Tournament 2 Wii U Edition, and Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. So, you know, they're fantastic fucking games for this system. Uh, you know, the launch... It had a couple of couple of hitters, you know. I, I think I definitely no. I, I actually no. I didn't play Batman Arkham City at launch because I, I realized I had played it a lot on the PS3 already, and just adding a mode where you've got Batman with like extra big fists sounded fun, but not fun enough to justify maybe shelling out for it again. I think my wife asked me at the time, like, "Do you want the Batman game?" I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not, you know. But it was yeah, Batman City or Batman Arkham City Armored Edition, where Batman had new armor uh no thanks <laughs> um but yeah it, you know it went on to have plenty of fantastic games most of which have now been ported to the switch you know i've got fond memories from throughout the wii u's you know history but man just a you know a mess of a rollout a mess of a system with a lot of fun things i mean i don't know is there a better way to have said it david uh no a mess of a rollout to a mess of a system I feel like pretty much covers it all. Yeah. So that's going to end this mess of a segment. What we're going to do is say goodnight to everybody. We're going to end this one mixtape style. I've got some Wii U launch titles here. And you know what? 
Spartacat, I'm going to roll some fucking Call of Duty Black Ops 2 in there for you. So we've got two fantastic songs from Zombie U and Nintendo Land and three fantastic songs from Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed and Tekken Tag Tournament 2 Wii U Edition and then whatever I come up with for Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Closing us out. So we've got from Zombie U, London by Night and Safe House Breached. And from Nintendo Land, we've got Theme of Monita and Nintendo Land Parade. And then from Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed and composer Richard Jakes, we've got Dream Valley. That's the Knights stage. We've got Ocean View, You Can Do Anything. And we've got, of course, because it's me choosing the music, Burning Depth, the Burning Rangers stage. We are Burning Rangers from Burning Rangers. Mm. And uh, then from Tekken Tech Tournament 2 Wii U Edition, we've got the Luxury Garden and we've got the two Mushroom Battle themes, Underground and Underwater Mix. Uh, from the Namco guys. And guys, what an episode of Game That Tune Gems this has been. What a fucking show. Uh, thank you guys, David and Johnny, so much for being here. It's been a, been a wonderful show full of fantastic tunes. And you guys are great. Uh, thank you to everybody listening. Thank you for being on Patreon. We love you guys. If you're listening and you're not on Patreon, consider subscribing. We've got a fantastic uh, offering of things at patreon.com slash game that tune. And we love doing these shows for you guys and sharing these tunes. And uh, if there's nothing else, then that's... Uh, that's going to do it, and we're going to send you off with that wonderful Wii U marketing slogan, uh, which, of course, is, David, we would like you to play. That's that's oh, it, isn't it? I thought it was we would like to play with you. Oh, it's Either way, it's a I, fucking mess. <laughs> I may have fucked that up. I don't think you did. I think we're going to have to roll those commercials back. But anyway, you would like we to play you and we love you, the listeners and peace out everybody. <laughs> the all new Wii U. How you will play next.
más que el arriño, risueño niño, Dios del amor. Duerme tranquilo, duerme entre tanto, eleva el canto. Más que diamantes, risueño niño, Dios duerme tranquilo, duerme entre tanto, Josefina linda, nunca te
Man, David just keeps on taking these pee breaks. <laughs> just keeps walking away at the end of segments. Ay, ay, ay. Shouldn't have to urinate this much on a Sunday night. Beers will do that. <laughs> yeah, they will. I think I've, I haven't sworn them off, but uh, I'm taking a break for a while. Mm. Yeah. I, if I'm going to be drinking, I think I'm going to be drinking liquor drinks because I just don't like having to urinate that much. Like, I don't know. Um, but see, the trick is then with liquor, it's like, yeah, if I've got too much of it in the house, I'm just going to like drink it until it's gone. It's like, it's like a pack of Oreos. You know, yeah. like it's gonna go bad uh, once you yeah. open it. <laughs> exactly, I gotta, I gotta eat these. They, you know, if I don't eat them now, yeah, yeah, you know, liquor uh, goes bad if you don't drink it. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh, are we making fun of me or no, 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 no? I was saying that you're you're urinating a lot, and so I, I was talking about how I haven't been drinking as much beer, and I've been switching over to liquor. But I have a problem having liquor in my house. Where if I have liquor in my house, I drink it. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've I've run into that. Anyhow, um, where are we at? November of twenty twelve. 